Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement unities. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Many people associate the term yoga with exercise. Kriya Yoga is a wider system including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. As a medical doctor and longtime practitioner of Kriya Yoga, I have found it to be a comprehensive system for enhanced well-being on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. Today our topic is yoga's path of strength, resilience, and peace of mind. And I'm joined by Beryl Bender-Birch, founder and director of the Hard and the Soft Yoga Institute. Uh, Beryl is the best-selling author of several books on yoga, including Power Yoga and Yoga for Warriors, Basic Training in Strength, Resilience, and Peace of Mind, a book on yoga for veterans. As an avid student of classical yoga, meditation, and the study of consciousness, she traveled to India in 1974 to further her studies and has been training yoga students and teachers for nearly 40 years. She is a longtime leader in speaking out on the critical importance of spiritual revolution, the combination of activism and practice and is also the co-founder of the Give Back Yoga Foundation, which supports yoga teachers worldwide in developing Give Back projects in their communities. Her website is power-yoga.com. 
Welcome, Beryl Bender-Birch. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Oh, Dr. Laurel Trujillo, it's such a pleasure to be here with you, and I'm so happy to hear you refer to yoga as a wider system than just exercise. It certainly is that as we will get into in our upcoming conversation. But first, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Let's open our hearts and our minds to the divine. One reality, called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone. Within us, between us, and all around us. In this moment, we simply let our attention drop from our heads down into our hearts. We become aware of our breath, noticing its natural flow. Not trying to change it, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Cool air entering the nostrils. and warm air flowing out. We may notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond thought and sensation, Pure existence being. We feel peace emanating from the essence of our being as it pervades the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Today, as part of our series on the journey of self-discovery, we are exploring yoga's path of strength, resilience, and peace of mind with our guest, Beryl Bender-Birch. So, Beryl, you began using yoga as a tool to help civilians and first responders in recovery from trauma immediately after the 9-11 attacks. How did you first get involved with using yoga in this population? Oh, my. Well, I was in New York City in 2011, uh, in 2001, and 
two days after the attacks on the World Trade Towers, my friend uh, and student, Dr. Joanne DeFiti, who was the director and still is of the Program for Anxiety and Stress-Related Studies at Weill Cornell Medical Center in New mm. York City, called me and said, can you come up here and help? Um, do you think you can help me deal with... Uh, employees of the two corporations that were most dramatically affected, uh, Marsh and McLennan and Cantor Fitzgerald, can you help me? Do you think you can come up here and work with the families of the burn victims, um, Mm -hmm. with first responders? Joanne, before that, really, no one had much heard of post-traumatic stress. And after 9-11, Joanne, Dr. DeFiti, sort of became the go-to person for media and hospitals and uh, first responders. People were calling her from all over saying, how are we going to deal with this? And so I was in the process of telling her, really, I didn't have any experience and no, I couldn't help. (laughs) She said, great, meet me here at 2 o'clock at my office. (laughs) And so up I went the next day and... Um, I walked into a room of about 20 people, and we were uh, everyone was in shock pretty much, in New, not only in New York and the East Coast, but our whole country, I think. And yeah. I sat down at a table and just started to cry. And one of the men in the room came up and put his arm around me, and I'm thinking, I'm supposed to be here to do something to help, and here I am just kind of part of the team, and I realized in that moment that, you know, there wasn't anything I was really going to do that could be separate from what these people were experiencing. Uh, They'd gone through and were going through some pretty radical trauma. So I just said, look, what can we do all together how can we cope with this? What can we, let's see if we can figure something out that will give us a moment of relief and help develop our strength so we can begin to get through this. And so I taught them a yoga breathing technique called ujjayi breathing. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, I, I, we were going to go there next anyway. Well, that was my next question. So what is ujjayi breathing and how has it been useful in trauma recovery? Well, it was interesting. It's a it's a closed mouth breathing technique. Many yoga traditions use it in conjunction with asana practice to help build heat and to also it it creates a sound when you do it correctly and it gives you something to focus on. And I couldn't think of much else to do with these folks, so I taught them this breathing technique, and it also works really well as a standalone practice to help people get centered and grounded, and it gives you a moment to kind of, you know, take a breath. And it's a conscious breathing technique, and you breathe in and out through the nose, slightly contracting the glottis, which is that space between the vocal cords. And so it makes a kind of a very aspirant and sibilant sound on the inhale and exhalation. And I've, miraculously... 
I was just going to say, I've heard it described as a Darth Vader breathing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, perfect. Yeah, we usually say that when we're working with children, but it works great with, with adults, too. Everybody right. is familiar with that sound. And this group of people just seem to learn it very quickly. They grabbed onto it like a life preserver, and we all sat there for what seemed like timeless. It, we mm-hmm. must have sat for 30, 40 minutes doing this breathing technique. One person fell asleep. Somebody else came up to me and said, can you come back tomorrow? So it was a very helpful technique in that moment to bring people into the present moment and uh, give them a, 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 just a second, a brief interlude between just non stop suffering. Right, right. It, it sounds like an, just an amazing experience. And I know that is something that um, was so traumatic you know, for, as you said, the whole country. So your book, Yoga for Warriors, was written for military servicemen and women, as well as for veterans. And you point out that yoga is a good fit for this population, since the military prepares the warrior for battle with an external force or enemy. And yoga also prepares us for battle, but the enemies are within. So what Mm -hmm. internal enemies does yoga prepare us to battle? Before I jump into that, I wanted to, and and this will lead right into the answer to that question, just thinking about the Ujjayi breathing and how it works for trauma recovery. And yeah. um, I, I think that it's, you know, I think that all of us experience, everyone experiences trauma. Some people go through more catastrophic trauma than others. And I think any kind of a conscious breathing technique is a way to get people in the into the present moment and out of their memories and out of fear or anticipation of what might happen in the future. Um, and this, the breathing, again, is... If you think about breathing as yoga and how that might prepare us for to deal with these internal enemies, I mean, we all go through and all experience the illusion that we are separate. If you look around at wherever you are now, if you're listening to this program and you look at people around you or trees or ocean or cars or city streets, there's you and then there's everything out there and it all looks like it's separate from ourselves. That's the information that our senses feed to us. Um, But it isn't really true and I think our yoga journey is, the experience of yoga is the experience of connectedness. It's the recognition that we aren't really separate and we can't Mm -hmm. be separate even if we wanted to, that everything (laughs) is connected and even quantum physicists will support that, you know. So I think the first, the first thing that the, the enemies that we are able to combat with yoga is this working toward the idea of connection. Um, and what comes out of feeling separate is that we aren't good enough, we aren't as good as the people around us, we're fearful, we have fear of negative things happening to us by something out there, we have fear of other. Um, it certainly, I think... 
these practices help us minimize our reactivity to things. You know, someone insults you and you react. When you realize that, you know, that really what is insulting you is part of you, and it's a big jump. It's a long journey toward this recognition of, of boundlessness. Um, but I think in the meantime, what do, what, do, what do people say when you ask them, you know, how has yoga helped you? Well, I'm more calm, I'm less reactive, I'm more compassionate, I'm more peaceful, I'm stronger, I'm more flexible. And so the enemies that we battle, I think, are all the opposite of those things, you know, that we're, uh, we're anxious, we have anxiety about the future, mm-hmm. we have anxiety about the past, things we did that we wish we'd done differently. Um, yoga practices teach us that nothing is really a mistake. And when we go through challenging times, it isn't punishment. You know, it's an opportunity to grow and expand our awareness and our consciousness and move toward greater connection. That's just so lovely. And I particularly appreciate the you're pointing out that the breath is such a great tool for us to remain in the present moment. <clears throat> and as you were saying that the, um, the, the, uh, what often, uh, trauma leaves us with and the trauma in everyone's life, you know, is those regrets about the past or worries about the future. And yet neither of those, you know, the future is not obviously in the present moment. The present is the present. And, you know, all of the yoga techniques that really do pull us into the present moment because that's the, that's where that opportunity is to experience that connectedness, as you said, with, with, with all of life and, and with our deepest self. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, Let's turn to uh, to strength, which is one of the many <clears throat> benefits of uh, yoga postures or asana. Um, since many people's first experience of yoga is in a class that's focused on postures or asana. So how does yoga differ from exercise since both of them do build physical strength? Uh, mindfulness. You know, I always tell my students, you know, the, the definition, classical definition of practice, and the Sanskrit word is abhyasa, means effort towards steadiness of mind. So if you're making mm-hmm. an effort to keep your mind steady, you can call whatever you're doing practice. We say we're practicing mm-hmm. yoga. But if you're not making an effort to be present, it's not really practice. It's just exercise. Nothing wrong with exercise. It's just not Yoga. So I would say uh, the the difference certainly is in that effort to pay attention. Yoga is about learning to pay attention. It's not a stretch class. And right. I think I used to tell that to all my beginners when I taught in New York City. Mm. That, I think that's really lovely. Um, with that, I think we'll go to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Beryl Bender Birch, founder and director of the Hard and the Soft Yoga Institute, and the best-selling author of several books on yoga, <clears throat> including Yoga for Warriors: Basics Training in Strength, Resilience, and Peace of Mind. You can find out more about Beryl and her teaching schedule at the website power-yoga.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. When we come back from the break, we'll be exploring yoga for resilience. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. 
like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. We are all on the journey together, making sense of this life, finding our spirituality, growing and evolving. As we travel through this world, Unity Magazine is your resource for gaining a deeper understanding of life. Unity Magazine is on the forefront of spiritual discovery, with articles and features from leading authors, teachers, and philosophers. Stimulate your thinking and strengthen your spirituality with Unity Magazine. Sample a free trial issue or subscribe today at unitymagazine.org. Examine what it means to be sacred activists in service of compassion and justice. We may find ourselves asking, how do we become a sacred activist? Institute for Sacred Activism founder Andrew Harvey says, follow your heartbreak. His advice echoes Gandhi, who once said, whenever you are in doubt, apply the following test. Recall the face of the poorest and the weakest person whom you may have seen and ask yourself if the step you contemplate is going to be of any use to them. Will they gain anything by it? Will it restore them to a control over their own life and destiny? So, whenever in doubt about the direction of your life, just ask yourself, what breaks my heart? Whose suffering is simply too much to bear? And then commit your life to alleviate it. Don't turn your face away from the pain and injustice that is so prevalent in our world. Courageously bear witness to it, and in prayer, dedicate your life to healing it. Gain more spiritual insight. Listen to Radical Spirituality and Sacred Activism with Adam Bucko, Mondays at 4 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by Beryl Bender Birch, best-selling author, yoga teacher, yoga teacher trainer, and founder of the Give Back Yoga Foundation, which supports yoga teachers worldwide in developing Give Back projects in their communities. You can learn more about Beryl and her teaching schedule at the website power-yoga.com. In this segment, we'll be discussing yoga for resilience. So Beryl, uh, in the earlier segment, I was going to ask you about um, about uh your quote on in your book, you mentioned if you're in a hurry, yoga is not for you. So what do you mean by this? 
Oh, I love that question. Thank you so much for asking that. You know, I always, uh, I taught in New York City for 20 years, and the first thing I told my beginner's classes is, this course is not going to get you from fat to fit or smart, stupid to smart or injured to healed in 21 days or less. Yoga is a discipline. This is a lifetime commitment, and we start slowly. People might take a class and then another class, but the intention is to make it a lifestyle that, you know, when we... when we think back to how I described practice or abhyasa in the last segment. Um, it's making an effort to be present. That's what the, the, the purpose of yoga is. Yoga is about learning to pay attention. And Patanjali in the Yoga Sutra, which is the textbook for classical yoga, tells us that we need three things to really uh, give our practice substance. We have to do it for a long time without a break, and with what's called satkara, or earnestness, with heart. So the idea is to develop the discipline. Uh, You can wear yoga clothes, you can read about yoga, you can hang out with yogis, but there is no substitute for practice. Right. (laughs) As, As is true in the desire to master anything. No, Exactly. And then turning to this question about resilience, because the subtitle of your book, Yoga for Warriors, is basic training, excuse me, in strength, resilience, and peace of mind. So what do you mean by resilience? Oh, dear. Resilience. Resilience is, think about when we use it when we think about plants that are resilient. They're able to withstand stress. Mm -hmm. They can withstand heat and cold, they can withstand inclement weather. Think about how do we build resilience. Um, As I said earlier, everyone experiences trauma. Some people go through just more challenging trauma than others. And we all have different karma, different patterns, different environments, and some people are more resilient than others, just just like plants. And I think yoga helps us to develop that, uh, not only physically, but emotionally and psychologically. Certainly our yoga practices help to make us more strong, more pliable, more, more uh, balanced, more agile. And all of that contributes to health. Um, if you are practicing one of the, the more vigorous uh, yoga Asana systems, it certainly has a strong detox effect. So our, our yoga practice, and especially asana and pranayama, keep us, make us healthier. And, and psychologically, by teaching us to be present more, there's less worry about the past and the future. There's less anxiety. We learn to recognize anxiety more quickly. We learn to mm-hmm. recognize that it isn't a, a done deal, that we have a choice. Every moment we can choose to follow that anxious thought and become more anxious, or we can choose to take a breath and just mm-hmm. you know, turn on the relaxation response, try to, mm-hmm. try to uh, kind of tune it down, ramp it down a little bit. Mm. 
Yes, all of the things that you mentioned, I think, are so key. Uh, this ability to stay in that present moment, as we've been discussing, and then it's just amazing what happens. Also, as as we develop this ability to witness our thoughts and emotions, so that you know happens in a lot of ways. You can be in a in a yoga class and uh, uh, in a particularly challenging posture, say. And, you know, you can then, because you're staying in the present moment, you can begin to see your mind talk about, oh, this is hard, or, you know, you'll have a certain, you know, emotion that's triggered. Um, And then it also happens in other, you know, uh, yoga techniques, and obviously in meditation is the classic, but developing this witness consciousness where we, um, where we start to be able to see, start to be able to witness these things as they come, as they come up. And I think that's such a key uh, part of developing this resilience that you're pointing to. That's the part of beginning to separate from our thoughts and recognizing that who we are is not necessarily what we're thinking about, that we Mm -hmm. we have the awareness, we have the recognition suddenly that, oh my gosh, I can step back and watch my thoughts. I'm having this stressful thought right now, but it's really not who I am. I can... Choose to continue it, or I can choose to just let it pass by like a cloud. Mm-hmm. And all of our practices help us to develop this witness or this observer self that um, stands, sits back, particularly in meditation. Right. Well, in all, as you pointed out, in asana, you know, you recognize suddenly that you're not here. You're off shopping or you, know, you <laughs> saw something that was attractive and you think, oh, I need to get one of those. It starts in asana and then pranayama and meditation just continue the work we did in, um, we did in our asana practices. Mm-hmm. And it opens up that choice, as you mentioned, where you realize that there is a choice point, whereas a lot of times I think we get triggered by whatever's happening in our in environment and before we know it, we're into an emotional reaction or into a flurry of, of thoughts and it seems like there's no choice about our response. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So part of resilience is getting enough rest, yet often stress and trauma lead to insomnia. So what yoga techniques are helpful in improving our sleep? Oh, you know, I think there are many. I think anything that can begin to give you a point of focus to take your mind off, uh, particularly if your insomnia is caused by anxiety or any stress-related disorder where it's a there's mental activity going on and um Sorry, I just my timer just went off. I'm cooking an artichoke. I had to take it out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> and and one, certainly um, uh, one of the techniques that helps a lot is yoga nidra, which ironically means yoga sleep. Mm. And um, you wouldn't think of yoga and and sleep necessarily in the same breath because yoga is sort of teaching us to be awake. But yoga nidra is a practice of really um, letting the mind quiet down, turning on the relaxation response through just focusing the attention on the present moment and just trying to relax the system. And 
dropping down into sleep territory, but not falling asleep. Mm-hmm. And with um, with yoga nidra, you. Now this is interesting because yoga nidra is a is an is a practice where you're going to drop down into the sleep territory, but you don't go to sleep. You maintain a little tiny link to awareness to the breath. But it's an excellent way to help with insomnia, ironically, because it teaches us the direction we need to go to fall asleep. And you can begin, You very often people will use yoga nidra tapes or um, CDs to play at bedtime because it will relax them to the point where they, where they will drop down into a very relaxed state of consciousness and then be able to fall asleep. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. And then... Um... You mentioned yoga nidra as well in your book as a as a methodology for helping to heal from trauma. So can you say more about that? I think what happens with many of these yoga techniques including breathing tech conscious breathing techniques, yoga nidra is that as we drop into deeper levels of consciousness. You start to move traumatic memories and events out of the what in yoga is called the koshas. The koshas are concentric fields of energy. We the most densely uh constructed one is the is the food body or the physical body then there's an energy body then there's a mental body then there's an astral or a causal body and our memories are which in sanskrit is called samskaras are impressions everything we do in our life creates some kind of an impression which is registered in these these concentric fields and these energy fields, and they're not all negative. They're, they're traumatic memories. They're happy memories. Mm. But they they determine our course, the course of our life. And based on previous samskaras or previous impressions, we might have a tendency to go in one direction as opposed to the other. As we start these yoga practices, asana, for example, begins to remove traumatic events from the food body, from the physical body, pranayama or breathing practices removes more deeply rooted traumas, maybe something from your childhood or even a previous lifetime that is going might be stored in the energy body. Now all of this pre is this is all based on yoga philosophy and yoga teaching. Um, right. And when we get into the practice of yoga nidra, for example, you're really going into deeply rooted traumas. And these can be released safely in a safe environment, in a controlled environment, in a predictable environment. So you've, the, the person leading um, someone going through tra- uh, yoga nidra would set up a control situation where you'd say, look, this is a, where they felt safe, they felt like they were in control, they felt it was relatively predictable, and there was some ability both conscious and unconscious, to realize, okay, I can allow this trauma to surface 
and dissipate without going through the anxiety of re-experiencing. Um, mm. I'm wondering if I did. Are, are, is is that is that clear? Were you able yeah. to follow yeah, that? I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's very good. So we've mentioned meditation already, but uh, turning our attention there for a bit more. So meditation is uh, really a key practice of yoga for which asana and pranayama are great preparations. The goal of meditation, as with all yoga practices, is to bring our attention and awareness to rest in our essential nature. And as you've mentioned, to uh, recognize our connection with all of life. So we've already talked about the witness consciousness that meditation uh, develops. Are there other ways in which meditation helps us to become more resilient? Yeah, I think our conversation, this is great, I think is, is pointing toward that. I think because yoga nidra is a type of meditation and there are many types of meditation. There's, there's focused meditation on the breath or a word. There's open meditation where you're just as in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition where you just sit with what is ever arising. Um, I think Again, this the practice of meditation in general helps to bring the and I, I'll I'll throw in a little a little um, neurophysiology here. It helps to bring the prefrontal cortex online. The prefrontal cortex is kind of the guy who sits up in the balcony and looks down and has a clear view about what's going on. It's not distorted by, you know, fog that might be existing on the ground floor. And so he or she can look down and say, oh, hey, you're freaking out because you think that's a snake over there, but that isn't really a snake. That's just a coiled-up rope. It gives us, we, we have the ability to oversee our response to things uh, and take a moment to take a breath rather than just reacting. Someone, you know, cuts us off on the road and we end up screaming at them or cutting them off or, you know, slamming on our brakes or, you know, it's an opportunity to take a beat, take a moment, take a breath and judge, have, a, have an opportunity to judge, is this really a threat or can I let this pass? And I think that ability to not get carried away with anxiety or reactivity or anger or fear uh, when, it, when there is no threat um, mm-hmm. helps us be more resilient. I think it helps us to be healthier and, and more present and more happy, not only resilient, but happier and healthier. Uh, just a great summary. That's that's wonderful. One of the things that's uh, very helpful in yoga practice is that the beneficial effects from yoga begin to be noticeable with even a little bit of practice. And this improvement, although it can be quite small at first, it's still noticeable. So how does this beginning of to notice these positive changes, how can that help? those who are suffering from the kinds of things that you write about, you know, trauma, depression, anxiety. You know, I think that we all are so dependent on, and and in a good way, our positive feedback, that if we're trying something, whether it's learning to play guitar or learning to meditate, you know, and, and we feel like there has been some change or some transformation in our lives, it encourages us to continue. I think attention drives 
transformation. I think the more we learn through our yoga practices to pay attention, not just pay attention when we're on our mat doing asana, not just pay attention when we're sitting uh, on our cushion for meditation, but to recognize that there are no breaks, that mindfulness, we can practice 24-7, that mm. mind, yoga is telling us be mindful in every aspect of your life, whether you're chopping carrots or in the shower or scooping poop or doing asana or whatever you happen to be doing. Just be here without mm-hmm. fanfare, no agenda, just be present. And when we start meditation, we're always looking for something great to happen, that you know, some angels are going to descend or we're going to see colors and there's going to be some great enlightenment. Well, we learn eventually that what is happening in this moment is already interesting enough. This is all there is. This Mm. is it, just this. And I think as we practice, we learn more and more that this moment is all we have. Mm. And certainly that was one thing that 9-11 taught us and um, that many experiences we have as we go through life teach us that you never know what the next moment will bring and so make well, the most of this moment here we are we're and we learn to be in relationship with what is not what we wish not what we hope but what is actually happening in this moment and that's just huge and i think the moment is. that starts to occur to us um, it encourages us to continue Indeed. And with that, we're going to go to the break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. Today's guest is Beryl Bender-Birch, founder and director of the Hard and the Soft Yoga Institute and the best-selling author of several books on yoga, including Yoga for Warriors, Basic Training in Strength, Resilience, and Peace of Mind. You can learn more about Beryl and her teaching schedule at the website, power-yoga.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. Please stay with us. We'll be right back to explore yoga for peace of mind. Chris Michaels, host of Healing Your Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on Earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? 
Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Reverend Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. My guest today is Beryl Bender-Birch, best-selling author, yoga teacher, yoga teacher trainer, and founder of the Give Back Yoga Foundation, which supports yoga teachers worldwide in developing Give Back projects in their communities. You can learn more about Beryl and her teaching schedule at the website power yoga Com. Paramahansa Yogananda said, Peace emanates from the soul and is the sacred inner environment in which true happiness unfolds. Yoga builds peace of mind in many of the ways we've been discussing through the development of present moment awareness, the development of witness consciousness, uh, an appreciation about the, just the changeable nature of our thoughts and emotions. And through meditation, we feel uh, when we feel peace emanating from our souls. So, Beryl, can you share a story from your own life or with someone you worked with uh, where uh, yoga practice was particularly helpful in building peace of mind? Oh, I could spend the next uh, <laughs> 10 years telling stories about that. I think whether we are dealing with at-risk youth or a child with special needs, or the death of a spouse, or helping care for aging parents, or a challenging relationship and at home or at work. I, I can just think of so many students, and including me, who have used our practices to help get through difficult times. Uh, certainly, you know, getting on the mat and staying with the discipline, staying with the practice and recognizing that life isn't always easy and mm. that these challenging times uh, are opportunities for growth. And if we step back and look at them, you know, we start to realize that we can cultivate equipoise. We can cultivate balance, even whether things are exciting or things are 
delevating, we can be, we can still maintain our practice. Sometimes it's more difficult. Sometimes mm-hmm. we might be grieving. Sometimes we might be laughing. But we can. Our practice helps us recognize that this is life. This is the way it is, that we are going to experience loss, we are going to experience criticism, as well as praise and gain, and that our work is to be less affected by the extremes and just smile and yet go, yes, I know. Um, Mm. I had to put a dog down about couple months ago and I know so many people that can relate to that experience and you know saying goodbye and knowing that 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 time has come and to mm-hmm. be joyful for what is and understand that death is part of life and loss is part of life but so mm-hmm. is gain yes So each person's journey of self-discovery requires some degree of healing as we've talked about since trauma you know, is something we all experience. It takes courage to admit that we're in need of healing and to seek help. But for some people, asking for help is very difficult. And in in a kind of a a warped way, um, they may not feel very courageous. It may feel cowardly to ask for help. And some people, you know, they've associated those two. So how have you seen people surmount this barrier? Well, I think when the pain gets bad enough, we eventually start to look for help. I mean, certainly one of the things that we do to uh, deal with pain are things that might help in not such a helpful way. We seek out um, drugs or alcohol or uh, sexual encounters or think of all the things that people become addicted to 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 mask pain and when and that is 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 epidemic certainly in our culture and at some point we might realize if we're lucky that that isn't really helping you know that's that it's very temporary and that we can't stay drugged or drunk or you know in a having sex all the time i mean we can but it doesn't eventually lead to a healthy, happy life. And so I think at some point we, we, something happens, uh, whether it's something personally or uh, an encounter with someone who says, hey, you know, come to this yoga class with me. I think of so many people that have come into my workshops or yoga classes, and I ask people, first thing I ask always is, why are you here? Why do you want to do this? And so many people say, oh, my wife brought me or my husband paid for this class for me or, you know, my friend brought me. And uh, I, and particularly in the military, uh, there's the, the men especially are trained to be tough and tough it out. And uh, I think yoga studios all over the country offer free yoga classes for veterans. But it's very hard to walk for a man to walk into yes. a yoga class where they're, um, you know, they may not feel comfortable. They feel like a fish out of water and they're tight because they're athletes. Uh, 
And right. so they're going to be tight and they're going to feel different. And to say, I need help is, is tremendously vulnerable. And mm-hmm. I think we're slowly breaking that barrier down. I spoke about that at the Yoga Journal Conference in January in uh, San Francisco where I did a keynote on just this very topic. How are we breaking barriers in right. healthcare and in um, with veterans in bringing yoga and the community together? Mm-hmm. So, can you give me a headline about that yeah, about that keynote speech? Since I wasn't there, so how are you seeing those barriers come down? Yeah, in your exactly. Work with I guess I haven't done a very good job answering that question. I think it's just slowly uh, becoming more acceptable in our culture. I think with yeah. articles and and in the newspapers, and we certainly uh, through the Give Back Yoga Foundation, we have yoga now in the vet in the VA. Uh, we have yoga programs that uh, there are. So many nonprofits that are offering yoga programs to veterans, uh, and I just had a fence put around my uh, backyard. And one of the men who put the fence in was a veteran. He was in the Marine Corps. And I gave him a copy of my book, and I talked to him recently, and he said, hey, this book is great. You know, I'd love to get a couple of my friends. Uh, And I said, hey, I'll give you five more books. And he said, you know, do you think we could get a yoga class started? Uh, So slowly, grassroots work, and I think one of the most effective ways is is Many yoga, many veterans have expressed an interest who have been helped by yoga in becoming yoga teachers. And the best way to communicate with veterans and teach them yoga is if their teacher is another veteran. Because that is a very exclusive club and you're either in the military or you're not. It's Mm. an, it's a, an, um, a unique language and it's a brotherhood. I know that's a generic specific term, but if we can expand it in our minds to include the sisterhood and it's, um, uh, it's a very tightly knit bond because of training and because of the work they do. Uh, and I think, I think as we as communities learn to welcome our warriors back into our villages and towns and communities and make them feel welcome and, um, and embrace their return with celebration, that more and more more and more programs are going to be available. And I've seen lots of programs now that are available to veterans, like deep sea diving and working with horses and working with dogs and uh, 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 fly fishing, uh, all of which are kind of forms of, of meditation, are forms mm. of yoga in, the, in a expanded sort of way. And uh, the next thing after fly fishing might be a yoga class. Who knows? That'd be great. So in closing, uh, we have about another minute. Is there some advice or inspiration that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Although I feel like in a way you already have. I mean, everything that you're doing is really inspirational. No breaks. This is it. (laughs) Just this. There's no breaks. You know, you just work to be mindful in every moment of life. Um, You know, this... This interview might be ending, but there is no end. We just 
not even at the end of life is there an end. Mm. Uh, we just are learning to be in relationship to what is. We're not trying to get anywhere. We're not trying to get anything. We're just opening to our own life. And mm. I'm optimistic um, that, you know, I do see people expanding, becoming more conscious, more uh, compassionate. I think there's so much grassroots work being done in terms of working for the planet, for our earth, for our soil, for the air, for the water, for the animals. I just hope it's enough in time. And with that, that's just really lovely, Beryl. This has been a delight. You've been listening Thank you to so the- much. This has been great. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. We've been discussing yoga's path of strength, resilience, and peace of mind with Beryl Binderbirch, founder and director of the Hard and the Soft Yoga Institute and best-selling author of several books on yoga, including Yoga for Warriors. Thanks again, Beryl, for joining us. Join us Thank next week. Thank you so much. Join us next week for Stepping into the Stream, Discipleship on the Path of Yoga and Vedanta. Yogacharya O'Brien's guest will be Pravrajika Brahma Prana, a nun of the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Who is the real guru? What are the advantages of a lineage? Tune in and find out more about the way of discipleship. For information about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit csecenter.org. CSE's Meru Institute offers a modern way with ancient roots to learn and teach the life-transforming tools of yoga, Ayurveda, and community ministry. Check CSE's website, csecenter.org, for more details about one- and two-year diploma programs. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all that you meet. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful, spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. 
Malena Don, and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Reverend Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 